All right, everybody, welcome to another episode, another installment of the Five Points Fridays. I'm here joined by my guy, Preston Grant at the PG Show, as you can see right then and there. Preston, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So it's a Friday. I'm done with work. Got the weekend ahead of us. And the girlfriend said yes last week. So I guess I can oh, wow. now call her fiance. Okay. Okay. And uh, that, <laughs> that's what's up. That's big news. You and Ty, I guess. Hopefully y'all don't schedule on the same day, but. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. I'm, I'm going for June 22nd of 2023. She wants to have a summer wedding. So I'm like, oh, I hope it's not hot. Yeah, I hope it's not hot. Hopefully it's not outside. But anyways, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump right into it. Do a little, Try to do a little quick video right here. So first point of the week, something that came out earlier in the week, uh, kind of a slight at OU fans, which I'm still trying to figure out who, who the hell did it, who the hell told them to go. But Caleb Williams was in the news, and it was obviously OU related. Supposedly his dad, well, not supposedly, but his dad came out and said, basically said, OU fans ran him off or ran them off. And I'm just trying to figure out when, how, where, when did this happen? You know, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I I don't know, because I didn't really see any negative Caleb Williams slander. I mean, fans were calling for his name early in the season. And, you know, after Lincoln Riley left and a couple of the other guys, you know, left, it looked like maybe Caleb would have stayed. And people were, like, praising this man. Like, they were loving him. The, the slander didn't come till he left. And quite honestly, there wasn't a lot of slander when he left. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious on that one, too, of who told him uh, that he needed to leave. Um, I mean, I, I do get the point where, you know, he entered the transfer portal and he's like, wait, you guys immediately got somebody. I mean, we got to do that. We, we cannot, you know, have two, you know, uh, walk on quarterbacks in that room and not have a scholarship guy back there with the chances that you might come back. So, sure. you know, um, but I, 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 I can understand his, you know, but I mean, he was gone once he entered transfer portal, he was gone and, and it's understandable, right? You know, he comes to play with Lincoln Riley. Uh, Mario Williams comes to play with uh, Caleb Williams, you know, essentially a Lincoln Riley um, guy. I mean, you can't dock him for it, but I, I'm I think it was more of a Carl Williams thing that led Caleb out of OU because it seems like Carl was just like kind of shopping for the best deal, if that makes sense on the NIL part of it. So so I, I I'll just slightly disagree right there. I think I think they really I think at the end of the day, I'll say this right here. That's a big. That's a part of it as well. I think they really did. That they really do believe that Raleigh gives them the best opportunity for uh, Caleb to have, you know, a, a bright pathway uh, to the league. Obviously, you know, for better or for worse, people are gonna, you know, take shots at him whenever they can. Baker Mayfield has done his thing in the NFL uh, when given a chance and when able he when he's upright and can flourish. Uh, Kyler Murray. Come on, man. You know, what What else is to say? You saw the deal that he just got, you know, signing one of the biggest, the, one of the largest QB contracts held contracts gen, uh, in general in, in NFL history. I mean, 160, 160 M's uh, guaranteed. But nevertheless, though, I, th I, I just think it's comical. I think it's really funny that we're still sitting here talking about, you know, and, and, and I'll say this right here, as much as, USC fans love to take digs at OU fans and say, "Oh, we're, we sound like the egg, the uh, the crazy eggs," and 
this and that and everything. I'm like, y'all talk about us just as much as we talk about you guys. We go a whole month without saying anything, and then boom, Raleigh's on there talking about, oh, well, I didn't take players from the portal. <laughs> I didn't take play- Oklahoma players. I took players from the portal. Uh, I didn't do this, or I could have did this, or it was just time to leave. And you're just like, man, nobody said anything about you in a while, you know? But as far as Caleb Williams, man, we would love to have Caleb Williams on his team. Um, um, I think there's still some people, it's probably a small minority, I think some people would still love to have Spencer Rattler on this team. Um, but it is what it is, you know? It's time to move on. It's time to go ahead and and and, and set whatever journey he's on and, and our journey, you know? Hey, if we meet somewhere down the line, and we'll love to meet meet up with you and kind of show you what we think we are and what we're made of. But at the same time, see what they're talking about. Um, I think it's funny that you know his dad comes out and says that you know blatantly says that because the funny thing about it is that his dad was the one who was basically orchestrating the whole thing, kind of like you said. I mean, hell, he's the one who who was was caught on camera. And Norman getting his car and all the rest of that situated to be taken out of Norman. So I don't necessarily think fans ran them out. And I mean, from all the reports that I heard and I saw and I read, I mean, it's pretty accurate. It's like Levy had a had dinner with him every single day. They talked every single day. But at some point when you're dragging your feet, that should have been like a, you know, my uncle, he was funny. He said, Hey, I'm giving him by Friday. You should be able to field all the offers you want by Friday. But, you know, you give him a week, you give him two weeks or so, you got to figure out the direction of this team. Winter workouts are going to be starting uh, at, at that time. You can't wait forever for the, you know, the person you want to, you know, coin as the, the next prodigal son of OU. He chose his path and OU chose their path. And, I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I love how you brought up the development portion because this part has always cracked me up. Because Lincoln Riley can obviously, you know, have a good offense. But is he really the development for a lot of these quarterbacks? Because Baker, Kyler, and Jalen Hurts were all transfers in. And you can say, okay, well, Baker was here the longest. He probably had the most development with Lincoln Riley. But look at how Spencer Rattler turned out. And Spencer Rattler was supposed to be his prodigal son. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, you could say a lot of that was Shane Beamer left. Uh, There just wasn't a great offensive line in front of Spencer Rattler, which Spencer Rattler needs. Um, and I don't know. It was just a very, I, I, my opinion, I think it was a very ignorant comment because if I'm not mistaken, Brent Venables was the one that recruited uh, Sam Bradford and Landry Jones to Oklahoma, which Landry Jones is touted as one of the best OU quarterbacks of all time, just due to statistics. And then Sam Bradford, you know, if it wasn't for the injuries, um, what, I mean, what could he have been? And so like we developed quarterbacks up and down the board. You can look at Josh Heupel or Jason white. Um, and we even at one, at one point had, uh, uh, is it Brett Bomar or Rhett Bomar? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, like you can go up and down the list and look at all these quarterbacks that OU has had. I look at USC and, uh, from what I under from from what I know in my history of USC, it's Mark Sanchez, and now you have Sam Darnold. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, and then it's like uh, there, I think there's other places. Oh well, go. yeah, you got to think about uh, Matt Liner. Um, okay. Oh man, I'm I'm forgetting that guy. Uh, not Carlson. It was ah, I forgot. I forgot the other quarterbacks. name. they've had they've they've had some really good quarterbacks, some high profile quarterbacks, and some high draft picks. 
uh, since then. I mean, they think Mike, uh, Mark Sanchez may have been the last. Um, they had a couple of, you know, they had, they had a few more kids. I look, look, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, we still have to give Lincoln credit. Lincoln Riley is one of the greatest offensive minds that we've seen in this, in college football ever. Okay. I mean, what he was able to do in those six to eight years, seven years, however long he was here at OU was incredible. And I mean, we enjoyed every second of it, the highs and the lows, get what I'm saying? But um, I think that that's where Caleb had his mindset that, that that's what he wanted to do. I mean, you see Malachi Nelson, Malachi Nelson could have stayed committed to OU, but he wanted to go with the coach that he thought would give him the best chance to utilize his skills and be able to uh, show off his skills so that he, you know, whenever he's draft eligible, he can be a high draft pick. So, I mean, it, it's it's not rocket science. It's just really, like I said, it's comical that we're still talking about that here in late July, season starting pretty much at the end of next month, you know? So Yeah, but I, I guess, and, and I mean, this is totally going off the rail talking about Lincoln Riley and his offenses, but Fox CFB made a post the other day. And it was top scoring offenses by points scored in the last 10 years. And this was actually really interesting because I thought Lincoln would have been on there a lot more than what he was. So in 2021, you had Ohio State at 45.7 points per game. In 2020, you had Kent State at 49.8. In 2019, you had that phenomenal LSU team at 48.4. And then in 2018, you finally get Oklahoma at 48.4. But before that, you get Jeff Lebby's offense at 48.2. And then the year before that, it's Western Kentucky at 45.5. And then we got three straight years of just dominating Baylor offenses and then Louisiana Tech. So I I, I get what you're saying, but there's, I mean, especially now with Ryan Day and, you know, the Nick Saban's always going to have a good offensive coordinator out there. Steve Sarkeesian's a good, offensive mind like I, I i just don't like the narrative that blinken riley is this all great quarterback guru and yeah. this just insane offensive mind like no well, like, that, well, let's, thing, let's bring joe gotta, brady back into college football the thing you got to think about it too is this right here is that even with joe brady uh riley either has two to zero or two to one he has two number one draft picks how many draft picks that they have they had here's the thing I'm not going to get into a battle with you about Lincoln. Lincoln Raleigh, if you go and look at, like, go back, watch Mr. McIntosh, watch the games, watch those offensive highlights. When you look at the play calls, some of the some of the play calls, not all the play calls, especially not this last year, but when you go back and look at the, the play calling, um, the way he's getting guys open, the way he's using guys, the way he's being able to manipulate uh, the the – these offenses, if you think about it, that RPO, let's just be real. Let's be real. Lincoln's Lincoln's RPO where he's doing play action pass to the running back and then his H-back is popping wide the hell open. You see it in the OSU game with the, uh, with Dimitri Flowers. Trey, I mean, hell, Trey Miller was doing his thing. See Dimitri Flowers. You've seen Jeremiah Hall. You've seen Stogman. You've seen Braden Willis. You've seen those guys just pop open on those fourth and one, fourth and threes. Um, those really crucial downs, especially when we're going for it. I mean, we can't discredit it because the whole thing is I'm not going to sit here and give Ryan Day, oh, yeah, Ryan Day is a amazing – Ryan Day is an amazing play caller in his own right. But, I mean, let's be real. For those six years, for those six years, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you one play, one play. That play against o- Oklahoma State two years ago um, um, where uh, you had – uh, Stevenson, Stevenson, uh, uh, who was it? Rattler, Rattler was in the backfield with him, obviously. 
Brown was scooted, uh, scooted over, scooted out of the way. Stevenson was on the center. They did a fake handoff, another fake handoff to uh, to Mims, and then boom. I mean, you're able to scheme your H-back, Jeremiah Hall, open for a touchdown. I mean, it was insane. I mean, that play call is insane. When you look at the variety and all the different things, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Some of the championship games, if you go back, you see some questionable packages because you're just like, Lincoln, what the hell are we doing with <laughs> you? You took you took you took our running backs out of the game. You put Hollywood back there at a running back position. I get that. But at the same time, we can't discredit uh, what, what he was able to do, because those six years, he may not have the points sometimes, whatever the case may be. But those six years were, were pretty damn fun. And he just had a lot of great play calls. But now we got Levy. Now we moved on. It is what it is. But I will say this, though, is that um, he has the pedigree and he has that line. I mean, until somebody takes that title away from him, people have obviously beat him before. But, you know, he's going to consistently year in and year out get get your your top quarterback in that class either way. Somehow, some way he's going to be able to do that for his tenure there. I just look at it this way as an OU fan, and I think I talked to Chris Trevino about this when he was on the podcast, which is mm-hmm. Joe Brady played seven top ten teams in the year they won the national championship, mm-hmm. and they still averaged forty eight point four points per game. But Joe Brady wasn't the Joe Brady wasn't the offensive coordinator. That's the if you go and talk to a lot of LSU fans, jump us up the Twitter spaces, they'll they'll go in on you and tell you. Joe Brady was not our offensive coordinator. He was our offensive. Uh, he basically schemed the plays, but he did not call the plays. So, well, correct. Yeah. But but the thing is, though, LSU did what they did in 2019, mm-hmm. and OU with Lincoln Riley could never get over the hump. Meaning, yeah. when we would go play in the playoffs and we would play somebody with an elite defense, it seemed like he couldn't play call around that kind of defense it, it would take a while to get the offense going and by that time it was too late and yeah. i and i just look at sometimes what these ohio state and the lsu teams are doing and i'm like well it seems like those guys are better play callers because but Preston, what, they're winning what, games. Did we, what did they what did they have that we didn't lsu had a defense all those teams had a defense we didn't have a defense even when we had grinch grinch gave us a pulse we didn't have a defense so that's where your point is kind of defeated because you're like, Lincoln Raleigh can only do so much. Your, your defense has to, has to keep you in the game too. You see a lot of these teams, don't get me wrong, some of those games eventually become blowouts, but some of those teams, they stay with it for a little bit. You got to have a defense. We haven't had a great defense in quite a long time. We've had opportunities. We've had flashes. We show flashes of the talent that we have. But we haven't had a consistent year in and year out good defense. If you look at Grinch, go from year one to year three, you'll see a, sl- a, a slow but steady regression. So the whole thing is that we could talk about Lincoln Riley all day. Fact of the matter is, is that a lot of those teams, they 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 had something that OU didn't have back then, and that was a defense. And they didn't really have a true defense. We're going in there, you know, we had Mike Stoops for the for the pretty much the worst part of his tenure at OU, in my opinion. And then you go to Ruffy McNeil. And then, you know, there's a lot of if if you want to talk about Lincoln Riley, talk about the decisions off the field that he didn't make that needed to be made as far as coaching hires, as far as firing some coaches and, and getting some new life at those positions. You know, love Tom Kish. But at the same time, was he really <laughs> that effective? You get what I'm saying? Kerry Cooks. 
you look at guys like that and you're saying, you know, did they really put us behind the eight ball? Then also you think about that 2019 LSU team when we went there. Who were who who was coaching our who was coaching our uh cornerbacks during that that time that time? Uh I wouldn't be able to tell you. Roy Manning. And what was Roy Manning? Roy Manning was a linebacker's coach. <laughs> so I mean, just think about it. I mean, Lincoln Riley can only do so much, but I question his decisions off the field more than I would question his decisions. Uh then I would question his decisions, you know, on the field as far as, well, yeah, offensively. I'm going to give him a benefit of the doubt nine out of ten times. But I will say to end this point is just the fact that, hey, Caleb, you chose you chose SC. You could have been here. You could have been a part of what is going on. It is what it is, man. Let bygones be bygones. Russell Westbrook factor. Yeah, we wish you the best of luck. Go ahead, do what you got to do. Have fun, ball out, go to the league, ball out there too. But hey, oh, you gonna be okay in the end. So, moving on, let me pull it up real quick. What is our next point? Our next point is Notre Dame. I'm talking Notre Dame. So this is kind of like a, a half point, half point, really, right? So we got Notre Dame. First off, they're wanting seventy-five million dollars, probably plus. Let's just put a plus behind that. They want seventy-five million dollars plus and TV deals. I think what uh, media rights with uh, NBC to stay independent. Yep. So the question is: Is Notre Dame worth seventy-five million dollars plus? Oh, this one makes me laugh. This one's hilarious. Absolutely not. I would not pay just Notre Dame 75 because I mean the thing is I think it's got to be at least 75 what's the Big Ten media rights deal I think it's like what 1.1 billion right now which is distributing 75 million to the Big Ten like I don't know like I just have a hard time paying that for one team because what if that team's down one year you don't have another team to boost you up you know it I don't know. It it just doesn't seem in my head. It doesn't seem like a good business decision because they could play a bad brain to football for a couple of years. You never know. I mean, it's probably not likely with Notre Dame, um, but you just never know. I just don't think it's a good decision. I, I, I think Notre Dame, this is Notre Dame's pre exit to the big 10 because they're not going to the sec they're just going i mean this is their pre-exit to the big 10 i I think that you know going back to a point that you made on on the last show you know um it is a thought and it's something that should be on the table for a lot of these teams do you necessarily want to take all the money that you can get or do you want to go to a conference where you feel like hey man i could actually you know become the top contender in this league year in and year out get what i'm saying However, um, so so not however, but basically I I think that that could be said about uh, Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame knows that they're in a prime position to figure out where they want to go. They control their path. So they can go to the SEC. They could go to the um, to the uh, to the Big Ten or they could shock the world. I saw something today where they were saying that most likely if everything goes the way that we all think is going to go with the realignments and everything um, that the big 12 will probably have media right deals with CBS and NBC. And so then you would have to think about Notre Dame possibly moving to the big 12 and you're like, that's not happening. Right. So, (laughs) 
So I'm just saying, I mean, I've seen wilder things. They could shock the world and do it. I don't necessarily think that's going to be true. I don't think that's really, I don't even really think that's a, that's realistic, but I mean, people are just throwing all types of ideas out there because nobody knows what is actually going to happen. So um, my opinion about uh, just to answer the question directly is Notre Dame worth is $75 million. I would say it's not a hard no. It's kind of a soft no right now, simply because, Notre Dame is hit or miss with their schedule. If they remain independent, they have a, they have a direct pathway to the college football playoffs. However, they have no room for error. So you said they could have been, they could play a a bad brand of football for, you know, a few years. Let's just be real. Minus these last two seasons, it's not like they've been really up and down. They've, uh, they've reached the championship game a few times, but that's like every so often. But you're thinking that now with, you know, a Lincoln Raleigh at a USC, uh, um, you're thinking about some of these other teams possibly being better than what they were last year, Stanford or, or whatever the case may be. If they go and start playing Michigan and, and again or whatnot, at some point they're not going to be able to, you know, dominate those rivalry games like they used to. And they play such a unique schedule that, you know, what happens when they go and play Miami now, when they schedule, you know, the whole Catholics versus convicts? <laughs> what happens when they go down there and mess with Cristobal and his boys, opposed to everybody else that they've messed with? What happens when they go and play the Florida States and Florida State gets right again, you know? So if you're, if you're NBC and you're wanting exclusive rights to Notre Dame, it's great because of what it st- stood for, but what does it stand for in 2022? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, I think you have to think about it and go, mm-hmm. you're going to get big game matchups, but is it worth it when Notre Dame's going to be down? And I just, because I'm not tuning into Notre Dame games unless they're playing a top five team. Let's just yeah. be honest. There's too many other games going on. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it, I don't yeah. know. I, I tune in sometimes when they're struggling with Ball State and teams like that. I mean, <laughs> I'm just like, really? Because, one week they'll go out there and play inspired football. Then the next week you're just like, man, it took them to the fourth quarter to really separate from, you know, uh, the mother, the, the school of the, of the I won't say school of the blind, but you just say that uh, FCS East, it, t- it took them to the fourth quarter to really separate from that team. You get what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's really up and down and it's just a brand and it's a style of football that you have to, really actually be enamored with like i mean i'm just gonna be real it's a lot of big 10 football that i don't watch and i know a lot of people who will second me on that a lot of people don't watch that either simply because it just you know it is what it is but um no i don't i don't think that they're worth the 75 million dollars who do you think in the in the end who do you think gets the what conference do you think gets notre day oh it's gonna be it's gonna be the big 10 um it's gonna be the big 10 I think it just makes the most sense because regionally the Big Ten can go snag Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, and Stanford. So now you're going to keep a couple rivalries there for Notre Dame, and you're going to be able to entice them. It just doesn't make sense for the SEC to go grab Stanford to keep a rivalry, right? And then for Notre Dame to go play USC outside you know, of the conference every year. I just don't think that makes sense. It makes sense for them now to go to the Big Ten. And the other thing is if they go to the Big Ten – it leaves room for error. You can lose a game and still get in. And we've seen that with the SEC and the Big Ten. You can lose a game and get in mm-hmm. because you're going to get the benefit of the doubt with playing the Michigans and the Penn States and the Ohio States and now USC. 
I mean, you know, one of the other things to think about as well is that they they have nothing to lose because if if the college football playoffs expand, then they're going to be able to drop a game. You're going to see one and two lost teams be in uh, be in the thick of things. You know, real quick, real quick, and we'll end that point right there. That half point. How many teams do you um, do you want to see in the college football playoffs? Uh, nobody's going to like this answer, but I want to see twenty four. 24? I want to see I, I 25 doesn't make sense uh, but I want to see 24 with uh, six buys right I, I want um, all of the major power five conferences um, to get a buy so the winners get a buy the first week and then I want one at large to get a buy um, mm. and then I want to see playoff games at these people's places I want to see premier games in Norman. I want to see premier games in Tuscaloosa and, mm. you know, um, in, in Columbus and places like that. That's where I, that's what I want to watch. I don't want to watch it at the peach bowl or wherever I, I will be more likely to travel to Tuscaloosa or to Columbus than I will to Atlanta mm. to go watch. It well, the they, they talked about doing that and then they, they pretty much exit out. I think that, um, I think that in all reality, I'll, I, Never say never, but I just I don't see that happening. I think for me personally, I want to see I, if 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 they do expand, I would say at the most eight, but I say it just makes sense to do six. If I would say at the most, minimum twelve. At the minimum twelve, I because now the conferences are getting so big. The conferences are getting so big now mm -hmm. that you're going to have teams like Georgia, LSU, Alabama, OU, Texas that are good every year, and they're not going to be able to make it in. You're only going to be able to get two of them and three of them in. And I would like to see maybe all five of them in there. And then, you know, I want to see, you know, three or four of the Big Ten guys and whoever else, my, right? I want to see – and I want to see them clash. That's what I want to see. I want to see clash. My whole thing is – my whole thing is is that I just feel like with, with 12 teams, I mean, that's great. It's all fine and dandy, but I feel like with six teams at least, it, it, it gives you that right to really get in there. It still keeps the it keeps it really exclusive and a little bit of exclusiveness to it. And I think also the, the biggest thing for me is just the fact that, you know, yeah, you want to see Georgia and all the rest of them go at it. But at the same time, if you go to their non-conference schedule, regardless of whatever conference, they're in a mega conference, super conference or a small conference, if they're losing to if Oregon plays. If Oregon is eleven and and one to end the year, and so and Georgia is eleven and one as well, and let's say they didn't play each other, but Oregon went and played Ohio State, Ohio State and beat them, but Georgia's only uh, really good non-conference game was let's say their best non-conference game was actually, um, I'll throw a team out there. Let's say their best non-conference game was Minnesota. And let's say that Minnesota was ranked in the top 25 a few times during the year. They were ranked as high as 12 and then fell out of the polls. Well, if Georgia loses to them, especially on a neutral site, and Oregon goes to Ohio State and wins, then I don't necessarily want to sit there and give them the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, yeah, Georgia should get in. Uh, they, they lost that game, and then somewhere down the road they lost to South Carolina, and we're saying, oh, yeah, but they're playing the best football at the time. and say, no, no, no. Next man up, even though I don't want to see Penn State in a in a in a college football playoff. I'm just saying that I, I want to keep that exclusive about it. I, I want to keep the fact that, hey, 
you can't drop more than one game. And if you drop that game, you better make up for it on the back end of it. I kind of like how it is now. I don't want to go back to the BCS, but I think 12 or more teams, I think that's just pushing it for me. Okay, so I I, I, I want to throw this out there. And this is I've, – I've thought this is a great idea forever. So you have a 12-team playoff, right? And, and, and I like what Weston said here, right? You know, top four, get a bye. Uh, you know, let's play those games – at the sites and then your national championship is played at one of the four bowls, right? If you're not in the playoffs, you go play a bowl game. Eliminate out of conference games during the regular season and go to 10 conference games, expand the playoffs to 12. And then instead of having a spring game where you play the other team, like, you know, split up into red, white, whatever your colors are, whatever you want to call it. Have two spring games, and you're allowed to schedule any non-Power 5 team twice. So you can do two different teams, whatever, on two different weekends. Let fans come in in the spring, see some football be played. Maybe you can't do tackle because you're not trying to do that in the spring, right? Mm -hmm. But bring in some competition and allow these spring games to be better. I think people would love to come and watch a spring game or two spring games where you're playing – you know, an FCS opponent or a non-Power 5 opponent, and then in the regular season, cut all of your out-of-conference games out, make it just conference, and then go to the playoffs. I think that works, and I think that makes I don't think that, that works because no, at the end of the day, let's be real, spring games, I would be – if they did your idea, I would be pissed. I don't want my – I don't want any of the players injured. You're still taking a risk out there. Because you don't have to have contact injuries. We've seen people tear ACLs with non-contact injuries. So I don't think they're going to go to it. I don't, I don't see why they would do a two spring games and one spring game. You schedule somebody just to come in there and just kind of do a drill. I mean, if you could do that regardless, I mean, they can have those rules and they do that like they do in the NFL. But the whole thing is, is that, you know, they're cutting down on their, all their preseason games and all the rest of it. I think that, you know, you could go to a solid schedule of just your as well, especially if they expand to these mega conferences and, and go into that. You're probably going to see that where you just play your schedule and then at the end, everything will take care of itself. But I think that um, get and that's kind of the hard thing as well, is that, you know, with these mega conferences or whatnot, if they do go to that, then, yeah, you'll see the non-conference uh, schedule kind of phase out. But until then. I don't know, <laughs> but moving on to our uh, to our next point, I'll say this. What's our next point? Our next point is Big Twelve, Pac twelve. Yes, happening. sir. That deal's off the table. So Big Twelve, Pac twelve deal that kind of fell through. Uh, I didn't really see that coming, but I didn't really see it growing either. They never really gave a sense of direction for what was going on. What's your thoughts about that? You know, I don't is. It... Is it responsible for us to say that anything's over and not going to happen anymore? Um, I I, I want to see what this new Big Twelve commissioner is going to do when he comes in, Re even if they don't have some like um, agreement in place to play each other. I still think Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado are likely to uh, exit the Pac-12 and come to the Big Twelve. Reason being is who can the Pac-12 get to make their conference any good? 
Mm-hmm. I don't think they can get anybody. And so I don't think it's sustainable for these teams to stay in that conference. That conference has been going downhill for a while. And USC and UCLA leaving, I think that killed the conference. It really did. Now, that what's going to happen, though, if the Big 12 commissioner comes in here and starts to try to go poach some teams from the ACC? Because I think that's a very well possibility as well. Because I think now you have to look at it and go, okay, we got to do something to bring in teams to the Big 12 what if we went to a Florida State and said, hey, you guys haven't been very good lately, but there's not a clear dominant team in our conference. So come here, get better, you know, open up a new world in recruiting and uh, potentially bring yourself back to former glory. But as far as the Pac-12 and the Big 12 thing goes, I think the Pac- I think the I think those Pac-12 teams are going to come into the Big 12 sooner than later. I don't I don't think they're going to be able to survive on their own. Because yeah, Oregon no, I, and Washington are going to jump ship as soon as they can. I agree with you on that. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, I think that regardless of the Big 12, Pac-12 deal, you know, goes uh, goes south. We've already seen one deal go south, right? Because it looked like the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the uh, ACC had formed an, a somewhat of an alliance. So if the SEC was just the SEC. We had, we had the SEC faction, then we had the alliance faction. So it seems like the alliance actually <laughs> kind of killed themselves because the Big Ten took, took pretty much your heart, the heart of your conference. You know, regardless, we can we can sit here and say, you know, um, everybody will, will poke fun at, at Texas for going to the SEC. Everybody, some people will poke fun at OU. However, one thing you can say, even though Texas has not been super relevant, and, you know, they claim they've been relevant, but they haven't been relevant in the Big 12 since, since like 2005, 2009, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> they have not only do they have the money, but their OU and Texas are the heart and soul of, of the Big 12. So you're taking the heart and soul and you're basically going and walking around with an empty vessel. But you're like, hey, we still we're still here. You know, I'm still living. I'm still breathing. With the Pac-12, I, I think I think the Big 12 is going to take is just going to take those teams and just go on about their way. So I think that's kind of what what's happening. I think the Big 12, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Big 12 who killed the conversations, negotiations, anyways, because they have the more they have more of the leverage in the situation. They don't the have 12, to agree. The Big 12 is yeah. fine. They're not going to die. And yeah. quite honestly. I don't think I don't think it's smart for the Big 12 to go after those schools for the Pac-12. I really think that this new commissioner needs to come in and he needs to go hard after Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. He needs to go mm-hmm. after those teams hard. He needs to go take them because let's be honest. I know they're in, I know they're in agreement with you know their their media rights deal, but if you want those teams, you'll get them out of their deal. I think that he was blowing smoke at the. Uh... At, at, at that place, I mean, let's just be real. The SEC, you could talk about the Big Twelve money all a day, all, all day, but SEC money is going to talk way louder than that. Plus, they're in those regions. It makes more. It does make a lot of sense for them to go and get those California teams, simply because, like Ty and all of us have talked about. Shout out to Ty Roundtable Sports. Shout out to all the guys. But like we've talked about plenty of times, you want to go put a foot in Louisiana. Go get a lot tech. You want to put a foot in Georgia, go get Georgia Tech. Go get Louisville. Go get Arizona. Why do you want to go get Arizona? Why do you want to go get a Cal Berkeley? Why do you even want to go get a Stanford? Because those places have a lot, if not all, of the talent that you're wanting to recruit. 
get what I'm saying? So outside of Texas, where are your recruiting beds? You can go out there and get a Florida Atlantic. Go get a South, uh, South Florida. You get what I'm saying? Because the thing is, is that if you can't get those heavy hitters like a Miami and all of them to listen, I'm not saying that they won't listen, but if you can't get them to come, why wouldn't you go and get teams like that? Because then that puts you in Florida, that puts you in California, that puts you in Louisiana, that puts you um, in SEC country, uh, deep in SEC country in Kentucky if you go get a, a Louisville, right? And then guess what? If you go to Arizona, some of your best players that came from Arizona, Spencer Rattler, Landry Jones, Mark Andrew. I mean, let's just be real. The list goes on. You know, there's plenty of kids that you could talk about there <laughs> coming out of Arizona. So those are hotbeds for talent as well. You don't need a named school. You just need a good school that you can say, hey, we, we can recruit here too because now that's Big 12 country as well. Do you think it's possible that the Big 12 is the first team to tw- or the first conference to 20 teams? Meaning actually, they go take the Arizona schools, mm-hmm. Utah, in Colorado, mm-hmm. but then go take what you're saying, teams out of the ACC as well. Yeah. I mean, if you go and get, let's say, I, I mean, I'll be real with you. I think that you get Oregon. I think you get Washington. I think you get Cal. I think you're going to get uh, Arizona, might get Arizona State, but hey, those are five schools right there from the, from the, uh, from that place. I mean, from the uh, Pac-12. Let's go to the ACC. Um, if you get Georgia Tech, that's six more schools. I mean, that's six schools right there. Let's say that you go over there and you talk to a La Tech or you talk to a South Florida and you talk to a Louisville. I mean, that's three more schools. That's almost nine schools, basically. You're at nine schools almost. You get what I'm saying? So I do think that in all reality, I think that if any any school um, – I think that if any school is going to, I mean, if any conference is going to be able to reach 20 teams, it will be the Big 12. I think it'll it'll be them first. The Big 12's got a lot of room right now. They can take in anybody because they don't have, I don't think the Big 12's conference is top heavy right now, like the SEC and stuff. So that's why, like, I think, like, you can go poach the ACC, but if you're going to go poach the ACC, I think you got to try to poach one of their big teams as well because their big guys aren't going to want to stay there all by themselves, like Clemson Mm -hmm. and Florida State and Miami. Oh, but you you don't want them to go to the SEC. You don't want them to go to the SEC. So offer them a ton of money to come over here you can't offer them more money than what you're going to offer everybody else because you got O state and a lot of other teams who stay loyal you're going to say they can't get a bigger piece of the pie just because they're they're the new darling you get what i'm saying it's like OU and texas OU and texas have arguably bigger brands than a lot of teams in the sec but you're not going to sit there and say yeah you guys get a bigger share of the pie just because you're newbies coming in Go go go! Talk to Apple, Amazon, CBS, and NBC, and say, "Hey, we want you guys to sponsor us in media rights. We want to be mm-hmm. your exclusive. But if you if you do this, we'll get Clint. But if you give us this amount of money for each team, right? We'll, we're we're gonna have Clemson, Florida State, Miami, all these other ACC teams, and these Pac-12 mm-hmm. teams. They might be able to offer more money than anybody else, and so here's- still pay everybody equally because." So here's here's my thing about it. And you also got to think about this, too. And you got to take it as a whole, because the, the, the thing about it is, is that we're only talking about football. What about some of these other sports, you know? And then when you do talk about football, you got to also think about this right here. Which logo is going to look better when you're trying to go into those houses and talk to those those recruits? The Big Ten or the SEC or the SEC or the Big 12, excuse me, SEC. 
A lot of them, I mean, Dabo, Dabo and all of them, they're not scared to go into the SEC. They know the money. The money is going to, no matter what deal, you could go to Fox right now. You could go to Fox. You can go to Fox right now and tell them, hey, give me $3 billion. And I promise you, SEC will go to Disney. <laughs> not Disney. The SEC will go to ESPN, owned by Disney, and say, hey, we need $5 billion. Like, the SEC is always going to be able to out, out, pay you out recruit you out everything so i mean it's just a logo battle at the end of the day so like i said i think i think i i think sec prevails in that but at the same time i mean like 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 you said it's an idea why not try to start that conversation so i definitely understand that i mean it's it's a at the end of the day you got to go big or go home but i'm just saying that more realistic like if you're looking at through it through through i i feel like a more realistic lens uh, it really doesn't matter at this point with uh, with with, with uh, the Big Twelve. If you can get Oregon, keep O State, and um, if you can keep or, or, or you get Oregon, get uh, keep Oklahoma State, go get Washington, go get a Cal, go get a um, even get a Stanford. Teams like that, you go get you know you Utah. I mean, you're getting Utah. Well, no, who's getting Utah? Is Utah coming to the Big Twelve? It's skipping my mind right now. I think they are. No. Let me see. I'll just say, I don't think Oregon's coming to the Big 12. I think if the Big 12 starts to talk about taking Oregon, the Big 10's going to jump in there and go, okay, we're taking Oregon, Washington. And then Oregon and Washington will make that jump. Because I don't think... I think yeah, I mean, it makes more sense else. with the... It makes more sense with the. Um, it makes more sense for Oregon just to. I mean, Oregon can play the waiting game because nobody's leaving their conference until twenty twenty four. Okay, well, and Oregon's got money, and Oregon's got money. Yeah. So the thing about it is that Oregon can can go to the SEC if they want. I mean, if you're the SEC, you're thinking to yourself, why not? You know, these are all conversations that everybody is having. It's a great point. But let's keep it. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. What's the next point, Preston? Uh, I believe the next point that we had on there was hot take of DJ, and I can't ever say his name right. Uwe Ugalele. 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 I, I go Ugalele. So I heard Dabo say something that I thought was pretty interesting. Dabo said he's not some slack dick, slap dick from. East Bond University or something like that, something to that effect. So I, I thought I, that made me laugh. So my question is, is, are we being too harsh on DJ as far as going into this year? You know, he had a really good stint when he had to come in and play. He's a five-star quarterback. I mean, maybe we're being too hard. Like, could we say that that was his freshman stint? Because, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see how he looks in the first couple games this year, in the first two or three games. Let's just see how he looks. And if he doesn't look good and Dabo needs to play Cade, then he needs to go that direction instead of keeping him on the field. I just want to see how he's going to look for the next two or three games. I mean, I, I don't think you can give up on that high of a recruit that quickly. You know, he was the number 10 overall player in the, in the 2020 class. So I'm looking at their schedule. 
And I think the first, oh, the first six games will tell us everything that we need to know about this season. Okay. I think we're going to have some pretty good highs and laughs at Georgia Tech because they played on the first game of the season. Come back and play Furman. You should win that by 40. La Tech, you should probably win that by 40 as well. But then you go to Wake Forest and then you go, uh, then you're at home against NC State. And a lot of people have some pretty high, lofty expectations for both of those teams. So here's my thing, okay? Um, We've already seen Dabo in this situation where you have a five star who a lot of people are coining as um, already coining that as probably your starter. People think that he's going to be your starter, and people think he's going to be a high draft pick. People think that Caleb Klubnik has a high, high ceiling. So we've seen this before. And my guy, Sean Stapleton, he, there it is right there, Kelly Bryant 2.0. <laughs> so we've seen this before with Kelly Bryant and, and Trevor Lawrence. DJ is in a, a really a, a great position simply because – He's faced the ever. He's went through the adversity. He's went through everything that he needs to, the ups and the downs, and he's going to be mature about it. He's going to handle his business. But then again, he's also in a bad position because you have this five star that everybody is really high about. And if you watch, if you watch the spring game, they both had their moments, but they but it looked like K uh, Klubnik had had a lot of a lot, a lot more moments. Get what I'm saying? So. I will say this right here. He has to be extremely careful. I think that we've been just a little bit too hard on him, a little bit too harsh on him, simply because that defense kept him in a lot of games, but you lose all that wide receiver talent and uh, with uh, include, and your quarterback, um, and then Justin Ross comes back, but Justin Ross is injured, and he's not able to really you know, make that big of a dent on the schedule or on the field, you know? And then on top of that, let's just be real. Tony Elliott may do great things at, at uh, University of Virginia. However, his play calling last year was terrible. I mean, I, I'm just going to be real with you. I I cannot tell you how many times I got so pissed watching that sprint run that they do. I'm like, everybody can see what you're trying to do. And then we have to also take into account that they were working in two, basically two freshman running backs, Jacoby Pace and then um, uh, who is it, Will Shipley. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this team is going to be a lot more experienced uh, this year. They're going to be healthy. They were young. They were young last year, too. I mean, they were they were young as, as, some, as some key positions. So I think that. Um, you give him the benefit of the doubt going into the season, but you just say like, "Hey, you're only going to have so much leeway before they they start playing K." And you know, one of the things you haven't heard Dabo say is that you're going to see them both. So that's something I think is going to be interesting to watch to see if you see them both during the first few games of the year. Yes, and so I, I do want to point this out because again, I think people think DJ's a scrub, and he's not a scrub. In 2020, when he had to step in for Trevor Lawrence, right, the entire 2020 season, he had 78 completions 100 out of 117 attempts, 66% completion percentage out of 914 yards. Mind you, he did not play any scrub teams. I mean, he had to play Boston College, which Boston College always plays tough in the SEC. And then he had to go to at Notre Dame. But in both those games, Boston College threw for 342 yards at Notre Dame, in that double overtime loss, 
threw for 439 yards. So he's played and shown us that he can do it in the big moments. I'm that's why, like, I think last year was just a weird off year for them. I think they'll be fine. I, I, I really do. I really think he'll be able to go out there and be the guy that we saw in 2020 who everybody was so hyped about. Oh, Trevor Lawrence is leaving Clemson footballs in good standing. I mean, they've got a really easy start to the season. Georgia yeah. Tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech. They should be able to go out there, give him a nice – like he should go out there to build his confidence in those three games. Wake Forest, I think they should be able to get past them pretty easily. I think your biggest test is NC State. I think that's where we're going to be able to tell, okay, is DJ going to be able to put it together or not? That's his first big test. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Boston College, Florida State, Syracuse. You should be able to walk through all three of those. Then you get to play Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina. That that that's the home stretch right there. I Man, think DJ's here, gonna be able to make it through all of it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I said, that Wake Forest, Wake Forest is returning a lot, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and they were able to put up points last year. Um, you also got to take into account NC State, even though NC State is coming to them, NC State is gonna be a tough team. NC State has really, really a lot of people have them winning. Uh, 10 or more games this year. So, I mean, you you have some really veteran-savvy team. Boston College always plays them tough. Maybe not the uh, – I mean, let's let's think about it. The freshman year, his freshman year, they were up <laughs> – they were damn near up 28 – yeah, really like 28-13 or so, and they had to come back on that. Uh, that that game right there. But last year, I mean, you kind of saw some, some chinks in the order. And so the whole thing is, is that he's going to have to – you know, do his thing or he's going to lose his spot. I mean, we've seen the story play out before with Clemson, Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence. So I think that we may be too a little bit too harsh on him, but we'll see. I mean, like I, like I always say, talking season is almost over and you got to put up or shut up. So um, I think that the first four games are going to be interesting, but that Wake Forest game is going to be really, really interesting because it's going to give you um, – it's going to tell you everything you need to know about Clemson. Yeah, I mean, now, I guess the question is, is that offensive line going to be better than what it was last year? Because he got sacked yeah, I mean, 21, that, yeah. he got 20, sacked 21 times last year. Yeah. And 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 I, I, I mean, you have to take that into consideration. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. to get hit that many times, that's, that, that's a lot. But we know he's not a scrub. He was offered by pretty much all the elite programs across college football. Everybody wanted him. Um, so, I... I, I I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. He'll be the starter the whole year. He'll look like he did in 2020. He'll build his confidence. Clemson's probably going to lose one game, uh, or they might go undefeated. I don't think they're losing more than two, though. So, Yo, shout out to Jantz, our guys, Jantz uh, Sports. Y'all definitely got to follow him and check him out for sure. Jantz, hey, uh, like Ty always says, hey, you, you have an open invite, man. Just pop on here. I got the link in the DM, so uh, – just pop on here when if you get a chance. Anyways, okay, so our next point, our next point, our next point, I agree with what you said. Our next point is Kiffin, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin brought up some really, really, really interesting points about NIL regulations. So he's basically saying that coaches should have more of a voice more and more control over it. Uh, as far as just NIL being able to, and that we need to put some type of cap on the NIL. I mean, what's your thoughts about all of that? How, how do you feel about the, the whole NIL landscape as of now? 
I I'm really disappointed in it. Um, you know, we've heard all of the NIL problems with uh, Jordan Addison basically coming out as pissed off that he's, you know, had broken promises. Uh, Texas A&M has openly been, you know, using the NIL as a recruiting tactic. Um, and then supposedly um, there is a five star recruit out there that is not getting what he's been promised, um, which quite honestly is probably not a shocker. And, you know, I think a lot of this is bad because these players, I don't, these players, I don't think they understand what they're getting themselves into. I look at it as a lot of these guys grow up um, and they're growing up from low-income families. A lot of them are. And you're offering them a lot of money and putting a lot of money in front of them. I don't think a lot of these 18, 19-year-olds understand what they're getting themselves into. I don't think they understand the legality aspect of it. Like they're going to throw stuff into these contracts that these kids are going to totally overlook because they're going to be getting a million dollars. And I think it's, I think it's, I, I honestly, it's, it's sickening that this is happening because this is the same thing that, and I don't want to get political, but it's the same thing our government does. They promise you one thing just to get elected. And then they don't give it to you the next day. And the mm -hmm. same thing's going to happen with these NIL, NIL guys. They're going to, Promise you one thing, get you to sign on the dotted line, and then it's going to be totally different on the flip side. You know, what's going to happen when a player needs to move uh, and get closer to home because maybe a family member gets cancer and gets sick? Are you going to prevent them from moving because you own their full NIL rights? You know, I, there needs to be some restrictions put on this, and there needs to there, there needs to be some oversight because parents are not lawyers. These, I don't think these parents are, you know, any better than the parent than, than the kids are when these contracts are going to be placed in front of them. You so, know, <laughs> so if I could just 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 interject real quick, just interrupt you. Look, guys. Okay, I'm an attorney. All right, and I can read these contracts for you. Ray Allen. Ray Allen didn't hire an agent. He hired a an attorney who read his contract. So just a little plug. You know what I'm saying? Hey, find me, okay? You guys know where you can find me. But anyways, no, back to that point right there. So I would say this right here. I, I do sort of agree with Kiffin as far as putting – not a cap. I don't agree with him on the cap thing. I don't agree with him on coaches being able to control that. I think that they should be able to control their program and run it and have a little bit more of a say-so in it to, to control the narrative of it. However – um, the problem with, with all that he said is, is simply just right here. You can't, you can't have somebody basically sign a service contract and then try to put all these parameters on it. I mean, if, you know, prime example, if, if, um, Le'Veon Bell is playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers and then he wants to have a, he has a contract holdout where they can't force him to come to OTAs. They can't force him to show up for training camps. They can't force him to show up to the first game of the season. It's a service contract. So not to get too into the thick of things with, like, legalese and all the rest of that stuff. What's up, Jance? What's up, what's up, what's up? But basically, not to, like, get into all the, the thick of the weeds of that, I just feel like, you know, this is their right to maximize their money and all of that. However, there are some types of rules and regulations that you could put on it to really help kind of monitor it and all the rest of that. And that's the whole thing. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say you, you know, I had somebody, I forgot who it was, but somebody brought up the point of possibly 
you have um, you hire like a, a somebody, you know, teach financial literacy classes or whatever to the players. And I'm like, well, you got a department already for that, the business department. So just have one of them come in and help them figure that out. But at the same time, a lot of these kids are getting agents and everything. So they, they should be able to take care of, of the brunt of that work. But, you know, I, I think all three of us could probably say there needs to be some type of regulations for it. What those are, I don't think anybody could really put their their. I don't think anybody could just nail it down. Jess, what do you think about that? I, I got in here a little bit late. So we're like, uh, what, like, what was the question? So the question is, is that you Lane Kiffin talked about all of the NIL stuff mm-hmm. uh, this uh, this past week. And he's talking about all the regulations and everything he would like to see as far as coaches having more control of it and there possibly being a cap on it. What are your thoughts about all that? Um, I do agree to a certain extent that I think that there should be something put on it um, because I think right now we're kind of like in the raw stages. Um, and I think that, you know, once you actually kind of see a player like really, really start to kind of make, you know, kind of way more money than even some professional players, I feel like that's when someone will kind of step in. You know, it's kind of funny because I was in an earlier podcast and we kind of talked about, you know, some of the, you know, the, the Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy um, type of deal with Epic Games and, and, and Fortnite. And, and and we kind of talked about how that honestly could be a lot bigger than what people expect it to be compared to some of the other NIL uh, type of deals. Because, you know, with, because the fact that they're getting their own, that sooner or later they're going to get their own battle pass systems to where a point where they can have their own skins, including the game. And a lot of that, you know, a lot of that revenue, a lot of the commission is going to simply go to them. Um, and just about kind of the, the past celebrities that have made millions upon millions of dollars by simply doing the same by partnering with Fortnite and doing this, the same type of things that Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers have been doing. So there's a lot more opportunity for players to make probably way more than professional players do on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether, you know, like a lot of people love to bring up, well, look at Johnny Menzel. I mean, Johnny Menzel was the main re- was one of the main reasons why A&M, up, you know, had that huge upgrade to their stadium, had that huge upgrade to their facilities was because of his jersey sales and the memorabilia that was being sold out. But I will always say that for the most part, um, you know, I did catch a little bit what you uh, that you kind of said at the end about, you know, about kids, about how they can handle uh, as far as, you know, the finances and, you know, b- you know, bring in people that can um, that can teach these kids. And even matter of fact, again, we have, you know, we have courses that literally do teach you about that type of stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, it's something that in my opinion, I feel like it's 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 something that I think is definitely going to be put in place sooner or later. Um, I feel like there is going to be a fear where now all of a sudden you're you're starting to see kids make way more like like uh, like way way more than professional players, and um, I feel like the NCAA will probably step in and try to put on a little bit of a cap on the situation about it. Um, I'm all for players getting paid and, and getting and getting their worth. You know, I mean, we all know NCAA is coming back next year, and you know, obviously with the with the name, image, and likeness type type of situation, what's going on with that? Players are definitely gonna have a huge opportunity to make a lot more money, but it's just, you know, probably, it's probably, you know, we are definitely in the early stage of this, you know, yeah. once we actually have way more sponsorships and way more opportunities, I mean, you know, we we're starting to see college athletes, they're taking the GTA route, which I don't know if y'all know what that is, but the GTA route is where you pretty much set up your own server and then you have an own subscription base where people can join onto your servers and they can play, you know, and they can do that type of stuff. But, you know, we've seen, you know, we, we've already seen pro athletes make, Two hundred thousand dollars a month. Yeah, he's making all of that off of right now. Yeah, he's making two hundred thousand dollars a month, and I'm, yeah, it's it's easy. I mean, it's really easy to set up. I mean, you know, the the only way for you to kind of, I mean, if you have the name, the image, if you have, if you have the brand, 
um, to do it. You can make a lot of money from doing that. And, and so and we're starting to see college athletes. A couple of UV athletes are actually doing that right now. So, you know, so, it, it's it's interesting. So I'll uh, so I'll wrap this one up with just saying that I agree with what you said, Nance, and I definitely see where you're coming from as well, uh, PG, uh, as just far as the, you know, we have to make sure we're, we're doing our part as well as the coaches and as the university to ensure that these kids are getting not only top dollar, but they're also, you know, being smart with their money and they're being advised of how to spend, pay, and make sure you pay your taxes on all that money. Uh, one thing I want to do is let's jump back to, to the previous topic. I just want to get Jance's uh, input on this. Uh, me and PG, we talked about the, the uh, as far as that, that third point being, were we too harsh? Have we been too harsh on DJ Ugalele? Uh, what's your thoughts about that? Do you, and what are your expectations for him? No. This season? Mm. Um, I don't think we've been too harsh on him. I think that for the most part, we had an expectation um, that he could be a great court, that he could be a great quarterback because Really, this has been set since high school when they were both competing, you know, when when one was at St. John Bosco, the other one was at Modern Day. Well, he transferred to Modern Day, but the other one was at Modern Day, and they were competing with each other for state championships with, you know, playing against the top-level competition, playing with the top-level competition, having the best quarterback coaches, work, um, working with some of the best uh, – working with NFL athletes. I mean, these guys pretty much had it all throughout the high school level, and Right. As freshmen, you know, very similar to Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Those were guys that were expected to live up to their billing. We thought that that could be the next that could be the next Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, as far as as far as a rivalry goes. And, you know, you know, one one is living up to expectations of Bryce Young and the other one is not living up to expectations. And, you know, you know, DJ, he's been through a lot. You know, obviously his uh, you know, he's, he's been going through some, men, you know, some family stuff. And I don't you know, I definitely hope he gets right mentally. But, you know, as far as just the expectations, I mean, people people would thought that he could be the next great Clemson quarterback. And he still has that opportunity, still has that chance. Um, but, you know, when you look at some of the I mean, he's had some really, really good, talented receivers. He's had Justin Ross. Um, he's got a, um, a four star kid from uh, from St. John Bosco and, uh, and Bo Collins. Um, I mean, he's he's got athletes. He's got he's got guys to skill position. He's got one of the best running back rooms in the country. Um, the offensive line was not really that it wasn't great. Um, I, I would definitely compare it to Alabama's offensive line uh, from 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 last year. But, you know, the different I mean, for the most part, people are always going to use that comparison from Bryce Young and DJ Wingale. And a lot of people thought that DJ definitely has way more upside because he's bigger. Um, he's bigger. He's taller. And for the most part, he has better arm strength. He was a little bit more accurate in high school compared to Bryce barely, but he was there. It's just, it's that expectation, you know, it's, you know, yeah. if Justin Fields would have never, you know, it's kind of like with Justin Fields. I mean, people kind of gave Justin Fields some, 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 some grief, some, some crap because he was not living up to his billing, but we all knew that he, uh, we all knew the type of potential he has. We all knew that that's a kid that if he can live up to the billing, he could be uh, a, a top five or at least the first round pick. And, you know, Justin Fields proved a lot of people wrong once he, you know, once he got to Ohio state. So, you know, I'm, 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 you know, if, if fans are want, want to kind of get on him, I mean, like, I mean, the president was set, even before he was in college. I mean, it was all throughout the high school landscape that he was going to be a top tier quarterback and in a first round pick. So he's just got to, you know, he's got to go out there and do his thing a little to expectations. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, he, like, like I said, to end that point for me and PG talking season, almost over, he got to go out there and prove it on the field. Mm -hmm. um, so our, our, our last point, maybe our last point, our last point is the transfer portal. I'm not sure if you guys saw what I put in the DMs as far as what the NCAA is kind of proposing as far as having two transfer periods, one in the winter, one in the summer. And then 
um, basically whenever that cha- the championship game is being taken place in that particular sport or whatever the case may be, they have to give 60 days notice, uh, provide 60 days written notice of their intent to transfer. So do you guys like it? Yay or nay? PG, we'll start with you. Yeah, no, I like the idea of putting some more restrictions on the transfer portal um, and giving windows. I don't like the idea that players can just kind of go in and out whenever they want. Um, I, th- I think there needs to be a little bit of restriction to it. I think a lot of people will look at the Brew McCoy situation um, as an example of, of something that definitely kind of needed to, you know, definitely have a restriction on it when it comes to the transfer portal. I mean, I think we can all remember when he – Went to when he uh, decided to go to USC, transferred to Texas, and then he decided. I mean, he transferred like I think three times in a two that about what one month or two month window. And uh, for the most part, I mean, the transfer portal it is a little bit of an you know I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna call it an easy out, but it's definitely a situation where you know if players don't you know can't succeed in one area, they will go to the next, and if they can't succeed there, they'll they'll go over there. I mean, I, I think there does need to be a restriction. I think if you make a choice, you make a commitment to go to a program you need to try to stick out with it. You know, it, you know, for some of it, like I said, it is business, but you know, you know, a lot of people, they go there and not even for about a year, they simply just go out, go elsewhere and leave. I think there needs to be a little bit more of a restriction. Um, again, I think once you make a commitment, you should live up to that commitment. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of my thoughts about it. So, so let me ask you guys this question. Would you rather see, I mean, I think something that would kind of simplify it because a lot of people well, a lot of people are definitely worried about a, a Jordan Addison move becoming the precedent for, mm-hmm. for other moves like that, right? So if we're just talking NIL, right? So, PG, I'll start with you. How would you feel about possibly – basically you say, hey, you can have the one-time transfer rule, but regardless of where you go, you – I wouldn't necessarily say that – let's say they put a significant cap on the amount of – NIL that you can receive at least for that first initial year and that basically kind of dis- dissuades these a lot of these kids from you know just transferring and popping in the portal just because because I mean let's think about it. I think last year what in the transfer portal we had what like three five thousand <laughs> kids in the, in the transfer portal I mean and you could go off at almost any sport right so um, I mean, PG, what do you think about that? Would you like to see something more along those lines, or you, you're just you're vibing with whatever the NCAA is doing right now? See, I'm not sure about it yet because with NIL, we're going to be able to buy player jerseys, and I think I don't know because I like the idea that players can get money off mm-hmm. us being able to go buy their jerseys. I think that's really cool, but. I don't like the idea that they can just transfer willy-nilly wherever they want because what's mm-hmm. going to happen when, um, let's say, Rattler comes here freshman year to OU, everybody buys his jerseys, number one selling jersey, right? Decides to transfer the next year, go to South Carolina, doesn't work out, so now he goes to USC. And he's top selling jersey for three years in a row. Well, there's a bunch of jerseys out there that nobody else can wear because no one wants to wear a Rattler jersey to the OU games after he transferred. It's not like he played here for a long period of time. I think there should be some sort of um, either like if you're going to transfer and you took a bunch of money for um, like jersey sales or whatever, uh, money should have to be given back. 
um, because you're it, it's not like the NFL or the NBA or wherever where you have a contract, right? And you're kind of locked in for a certain, certain period of time unless that team wants to trade you. Uh, I think these players are getting to make a choice. Um, and a lot of people are going to be paying money for their name, image, and likeness, whether that's buying a jersey or um, mm-hmm. you know, photo ops or whatever. I think there should be a penalty. Hey, if you go to the transfer portal and you're taking out a certain percentage of jersey sales, then... Um, well, I mean, circumstances control. I don't necessarily know that, but I know for like... Um... Let's say like the like the NBA has a has a rule now where it's like a ninety day uh, like trade clause or whatever. So if if your favorite player gets traded, if for some odd reason LeBron game LeBron James gets traded from the Lakers and he goes to the 76ers, well, if you purchase a LeBron James jersey that year, like this upcoming year, and he gets traded to the 76ers, then guess what? Like you can return it and then they'll they'll either give you your money back or give you that, you know, that new jersey. So I think they could do that. I think mm-hmm. pretty much what you're saying kind of vibe, kind of jazzes with what I'm saying as far as if you're going to do that, uh, PG, you might as well just go ahead and say, hey, if you go to this, uh, to a new university, uh, you can have, you can transfer and you can play immediately. However, if you do transfer, then you're going to lose your NIL. You're going to lose your ability to, to garner any uh, NIL funds or, or, or deals uh, for at least that one year. That's almost like kind of like a penalty. What about yeah, you? Or, oh, or, or, or maybe you lose out on specific. I, I think taking away all their NIL opportunity is wrong, but I think uh-huh. maybe you take away certain aspects of their NIL. Like, hey, you can't go do photo ops. You can't sell your autograph. Yeah. You can't sell jer- like Like, we'll still sell your jersey, but you can't have that money for the jersey sales that year until you're there at that university for at least two years. Okay. What about you, Jens? Yeah, this is kind of this is definitely a little bit of a tough one because you know at you know at at at, at some point you know we're gonna start to see more Jordan Addison like players enter the portal and go somewhere else because of NIL opportunities. You know you you know we 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 I mean I, I would not be surprised at all that you know if, if somewhere some you know somewhere down the line we have someone we potentially could have a Heisman Trophy winner that decides okay you know what they're not paying me my worth they're not. Uh, they're not, you know, really doing what I think they they uh, need to be, you know, kind of get the job done for me. I, I'm going to go to this program because this program is going to value me. This program is going to get me uh, a bigger opportunity uh, for more deals. Um, I, I would not be surprised at all that if, if sooner or later we kind of go down that line. So in a way, I'm kind of with you a little bit there, uh, Chris, as far as maybe penalize, as far as maybe forming a penalty, um, as far as, you know, if you sign an NAO deal, but then you automatically want to, you know, you automatically go. I think that there should be something. There needs to be some type of penalty um, that could be put on some of these players. Again, I'm, I'm all for players getting paid and, you know, I, you know, I, for, 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 you know, for their name, image and likeness. But at the same time, you know, this is probably one of the more complicated aspects as far as the whole situation with the transfer portal, with NIL and all that type of stuff is that now players have so much freedom to in a way kind of do what they want to do without any sort of, without anything really happening to them right now. So that's, it's a tough one. It's definitely kind of a, it's definitely kind of a tough call. Cause then again, you want players to get paid, but on the other end, there needs to be a little bit of, there needs to be a little bit of order that needs to happen there. So I think that pretty much wraps up that point. So I would say, I would just say just to end this right here. So either you could go with the NCAA what they're because they they have some loose restrictions. I feel like it's kind of loose. I feel like kind of the just kind of measuring the room. PG 
And Jens, I think you guys could probably vouch for just saying like, hey, go back to the old rule where you mess with their that they can have all the NIL deals even as a red shirt, but if they transfer to a new school, they have to sit out at least that one year. Get what I'm saying? So I mean, there's definitely thoughts about this. I think that we definitely need to uh NCAA has to figure that out. What is the what is the solution? The world may never know. But just into some bonus points, let's jump to some bonus points. As far as Weston Sloan, he said, hey, do you guys think that we're uh, going to uh, – does OU get Derek LeBlanc and uh, Macari Vickers? Look, on good authority, I, I, there's some smoke about both. LeBlanc, I definitely think you're getting LeBlanc. I think that's that's kind of a foregone conclusion. Uh, Macari Vickers, definitely some smoke there, and it's, it's picking up more smoke. It, it's not a fire yet, but it's definitely some smoke. So on good authority, that's kind of <laughs> – that's kind of the thing. Hopefully, we can uh, we can flip Peyton Bones and go ahead and get that worst kept secret out of, out of the <laughs> out of the way. Um, while we got a Bama fan on here, here is a bonus point, my friend Jance. What are your thoughts about the little the little war words between Will Anderson and then uh, what was that? Is the offensive lineman or is that a defense line? Who? Leon, Leon O'Neal. Yeah. Yeah, Leon O'Neal. Yeah, so Leon O'Neal was the uh, he was the you know he's a backup safety for Texas A&M. Oh, that's why. Um, yeah, he was. Um, I it's just I, I find that I mean for the most part I mean Will Anderson for the most part I mean, you know he wasn't even the one that kind of started for the way it was. It, ironically, it was a night it was a nice Smith who by the way hopefully he you know everything could you know I, I don't know what's gonna happen with him but um, I heard yeah. um just a just a sidestep for a second they said that it wasn't him they said actually the passenger uh, he was the passenger. And the uh, and the driver or whatnot had already has already basically uh, said like yeah it wasn't him it was me or whatever the case may be yeah it's just yeah I mean hopefully everything gets cleared up and you know yeah. just, you know, hopefully yeah you know so but um, he yeah he he kind of was the one that kind of in a way sparked it you know of course Jimbo and Nick had their few but when the first player to really kind of spark it was Anais when he kind of came at Bama when he said yeah I can't wait to go out there and play him and. You know, I'll, I'll put up this many yards. I mean, he was, I mean, he was trash talk a little bit. Then, you know, for the most part, you know, Will kind of came out and, you know, during the media days and he was like, well, okay, well, everything is going to be said in the field. That's nothing that much, nothing's going to be said. I mean, everything, all the, all that talking is going to be on the field. And that's when O'Neill kind of stepped up and he's like, bro, you have one tackle, which is false because Will Anderson actually had six tackles um, in that game. And matter of fact, again, people will say, well, he had zero sacks against the true freshman. But if you really go back and watch the game, Will Anderson actually had a, I mean, he had a really, really good game as far as, you know, putting pressure, as far as putting pressure on the quarterback, defending, you know, doing, doing a really good job defending against the run. I mean, Will Anderson being Will Anderson on a hurt ankle. So, um, you know, again, I give AM all the credit in the world for beating us. I mean, they, they did their thing. They did their job. But for the most part, a lot of these Aggie fans just feel like, you know, they that it was just a blowout, like it was, you know, 44 to 16. I mean, you know, we, they, I mean, it was you guys won on a last second field goal attempt. That, you know, good props up to you. Great job for you guys. Um, but, you know, for the most part, we're to put to, to put it in, in nice words, we're going to crush AM. We're we're going to blow them out, and you know, already, <laughs> already, you know, we're we're. I mean, it's just like, and that's just a nice way of me even saying it, man. Because again, I mean, we talked about this before, uh, you know, on, on your last episode. But I mean, A and M, A and M, for the most part, I, I just I don't see how they're going to replace all that production. I, I really, I truly don't. You cannot lose 
90 percent <laughs> of your of your production on the front seven of losing guys like Michael Clemens and you know, Tyke Johnson to Marvin Leal and Jaden Pevy and, and like like they lost five of their top guys on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, they got a great safety tandem. They got a pretty good cornerback room, but your linebacking play suspect. Your defensive line is going to be nothing full but redshirt freshmen and backup players, which we all know is not going to hold the candle to some of the players, some of the teams like Alabama and Georgia that constantly can do it. Offensively, we don't even know what the quarterback is going to be. And if it's going to be Max Johnson, that's serviceable at best. Uh, your offensive line is a question mark. We don't know who your skill position players are besides Evan Stewart. Your tight end room is questionable. And then for the most part, you lose two. And then, all you know, you lose one of your best assistant coaches. He's he's all, you know, he, he went elsewhere. So A&M, it's a question mark. They have a gauntlet of a schedule, um, it, which is why I think they'll go either seven and five or six and six. And, you know, for the most part, you know, the, the A&M, you know, I don't even think they're going to beat Miami. I think Miami will smoke them. So, you know, for the most part, you know, it's it's trash talk. I mean, Leo Neal, he's you know, good luck to him in his career. I don't even know if he's on an NFL team. I I don't know if he is or not. But you know, he had a he had a pretty okay career at A and M. But you know, it's just funny that he's kind of talking and he's you know kind of you know you know throwing his throwing his jabs. I mean, Demarvin Lil kind of threw his jab when he said that I you know I went to A and M because I want to beat teams like Bama, which you know I find ridiculous because. You know, I thought that <laughs> to compete for national championships, not solely just beat I, Alabama, but it is what it is. I think I think uh, one of the analysts on I uh, uh, was watching one of the uh, college football lives. They're doing the media days, and I think he put it. He put it. Um, he wrapped it up with a bow. He basically said, "Hey, look, it's great that you can beat Bama, but you got to be consistent in the SEC, and that's something that Texas A&M hasn't been for uh, the yeah, last few years." Yeah. Ask Gus Malzahn how that feels to be Bama three times and still get fired. He'll tell you. Yeah. In the year that you beat. <laughs> yes. I didn't even think about it like that. I mean, that is true. But I will say this. I think I can speak for B, uh, for PG on, on, this, on this issue as well. Welcome to the life of an OU fan battling Texas fans on the daily. That, I mean, this, they have this, you've seen it. They have the same energy. It's, Yada, 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 yada. You haven't beat us in three, four years. Even at our worst in 2020, you still couldn't beat us. But yet and still, we talk noise and we're this and we're that. And you guys just are coming off of five, five and 17 with just as many question marks as us. So I just wanted you to know, Jance, welcome to our world. You see now. I get it. Oh. Yeah, I, I get it, man. I mean, Jesus. I mean, and then it's like they're so focused, like they're like they're so focused on being us. I mean, you need to worry about your recruiting class. I mean, you only got yeah. five guys minutes to your program, and you know, you keep talking about your your, your pool party, about you know the pool party, about how you're gonna get all these kids. I mean, that li- I mean, if you look at take a look at the list of mm-hmm. all the names that was supposed to supposed to go to that pool party, that list is is it's it's. I mean, it's trimming down every single day. It's trimming down every single day. So has, I, has, I don't know. Has A and made an SEC championship game? No. Okay. The best, so, the best, yeah, the, 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 the nine and one, I would say either 11 and two and nine and one were their best. They had two great seasons. I don't even say great seasons. They had two solid seasons, which was the 2020 Kobe year where they went nine and one, lost to us 52 to 24. And then the Johnny Menzel year when they beat us, but they lost a couple times to uh, LSU in Florida. So that was, you know, that was their best years. Besides that, they've been a seven, eight win football program. <sighs> Never ends. You and Ty, I just like getting y'all riled up about about the A and M boys. I mean, they they literally think that they're the cream of the crop down there in the I, SEC. I don't get and it. Let's be real. 
If you put them over there in the SEC East, they still wouldn't make a play. <laughs> they still wouldn't make the Missouri went to an SEC championship in their second year. Yeah. Missouri, uh, for the better part, for the better part of well, the early part, uh, when they both departed to the uh, to the SEC, Missouri had more success than uh, the Texas yep. A&M for quite a long time. Matter of fact, no, Missouri went to, um, I'm thinking about it, they went to two. Yeah. They went to two SEC championship games. They the went to two SEC championship back back. games. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't AM that came in there and revolutionized the, the, the Pac 12. I mean, not the Pac 12, the SEC. It was Nick Missouri. Saban basically saying that we, we can't have these 250 and 60 pound linebackers chasing these, these slot receivers around the field. And basically that, and then, you know, AM coming, I'm mean, not AM, but uh, Missouri coming in there with that spread offense with Pinkle early on. I mean, they, it was a different breed of ball, you know, so they were able to be successful here and there. But uh, like I said, like I said, man, Texas, Texas A&M fans and like my boy Weston Sloan said, Texas fans, they different. They build different. Anyway, I'm, I'm rooting for Alabama to go out there and smoke out oh. or smoke Texas A&M. 55 nothing. That's what I want to see. I want to see nothing on the zero. On the board nothing. It's been done before. I want to see a donut. It's been it's been done before in the Kenny Troy area, so it's been done. <laughs> Don't get me started on Kenny Trill. My uncle, if he was on here, he'd tell y'all straight up. He was like, "Yeah, my nephew thought Kenny Trill was gonna be the be the best thing." Did. Yeah, and then that happened. Uh, so, anyways, guys, y'all got anything else? Y'all think we covered everything that happened this week? Um, y'all talk about y'all talk about Kirby Smart. Oh no! What happened with Kirby? Oh no, oh. no, no! I've seen Kirby. St- I, I yeah. like I told like I told Ty today. It, that was cute. I mean, yeah. it, that was yeah, that was, that was interesting. Yeah, it's just... yeah. We're we're we. <laughs> I like how you put it. Uh, we're not in, we're not in a position to be hunted. We we're the hunters now. I was just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he also had like his kind of take on NAL and you know how I how players are making this much money and you know if I thought was if this is me back in the nineties if I you gave me like ten thousand dollars I don't know what I would do with it I don't, I don't know interesting it's Kirby smart I think Seth mm-hmm. me and Seth my boy Seth Oliveris we say it like this Kirby smart I say it's Kirby smart but he's not that smart you know <laughs> his name is Kirby but he's not that smart but anyways guys. Uh, let's go ahead. Hey, you guys plug, plug yourselves. PG. Yeah. Well, I will say everybody needs to tune in next week. Cause we got some big commitments this next week with Caleb Williams and or, uh, Caleb Downs and Peyton Kirkland. Those are going to be some fun to talk about. For sure. Um, but yeah, you guys can find me at the PG show on YouTube. Um, just the PG show. And then, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, uh, at the PG show underscore. Yeah, you, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, uh, Gent716. You guys can hit me up there. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Gent Sports. Uh, my YouTube channel is Gent Sports. We cover, you know, we cover, you know, lots of professional sports, uh, you know, college football mainly. Um, love to talk about that. Um, and then we also, and then for the most part, I'm also on a podcast called uh, Buff, called Buffalo Fanbase Sports. A bunch of pretty much content creators love talking about professional sports, mainly Buffalo Bills talk. Uh, you can find me there with uh, me and my co-host Kari Demos. Um, who writes for Buffalo Fanatics and Fansided. You can catch us there every Tuesday, uh, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard, 6 o'clock your Central Time from the West Coast, 4 o'clock over there. So you can check us out um, over there on Tuesdays. 
not in eight, not in, not in, not in, I mean, what? I, I, to who? Bills, are we making playoffs? Are we talking I, to, playoffs? I mean, who, who, who are we losing to? I don't know. You're scared. Hold on. Hold on, before I get off of here, I gotta, I gotta go through this. We're not, we're not, we're not losing. I mean, I, we're not losing to the Patriots. I listen. I, we're not. I mean, we're not even losing to. The, I mean, listen. I love Tua to death. I, I don't get me wrong. I love Tua to death. But to, no, we're not losing. To, we're not losing to the Dolphins. Give me one second. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, you guys might lose to the Titans, and you guys got to play I'll the Denver Broncos. Uh, oh, okay. Oh no, that's preseason. Okay, regular season. You guys play the Los Angeles Rams in LA. That's a yeah. Loss. I'll be going to that one. I'll be, yeah. Um, Tennessee that. Titans. Uh, that one's a toss up, but you guys could mm-hmm. potentially lose that one. Uh, Steelers in Kansas City. Yep. Yeah, that uh, Kansas City game. That's a loss. That's your dad. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Titans. Yeah, and, well, sure. and it's at Arrowhead too. It's at. It's Arrowhead. always at Arrowhead, man. We y'all may not. Y'all may not win a game until y'all play until week seven. We hey, but do me a lie. favor. Go, uh, go, <laughs> go! Beat the convicts and the Cleveland Browns. Oh, I, I mean, I we I mean, is Deshaun Watson even gonna play? Uh, I mean, if he gets suspended six games, he'll play in that game. Um, I mean, yeah, we're just going. We going. I mean, even with Deshaun Watson, I feel like we could still have the ability to. I mean, I feel like for the most part, twelve and five. Maybe worst case scenario, eleven and uh, six. Y'all gonna lose to the Lions, bro. Stop. Oh my God. Okay, stop. Oh, stop trolling, dog. On Thanksgiving, really? Hey, so hot take on this, but the NFL should let uh, Deshaun Watson play and then suspend him for the last six games of the season, so that the Browns have to go into the playoffs with Jacoby Brissett. That'll be worse. That would be, so be so much worse if that ever, if that actually ever happened, man. I would I would have just took the first games compared to that. That would be horrible. Could you yeah. imagine if they're like eleven or twelve and zero, and then they just suspend Deshaun Watson? That would be horrible. With that, with that being said, guys, we're gonna end it right there.